Hello, and welcome to the Sussex County Teacher Edition of the Shift for Wellness podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Caputo, and this space has been created just for you, whether you are a teacher or not, as it provides living with ease while facing challenges and tragedies with courage and resilience. One of the things I've come to know about facing challenges and tragedies is that our kiddos suffer greatly from them. And year after year, I witness these levels in children increasing. Students trust themselves less, lack resiliency, as well as the ability to cope with minor disruptions. Stress and anxiety levels in students have become a major issue in the classroom. And that's why I am super excited you tuned in because today I will be conducting my very first interview. You may remember from the beginning of the new fall season, I shared the news about being named Sussex County Teacher of the Year in the state of New Jersey for embedding the practices of yoga and mindfulness into the daily instruction. And while I accept this honor very graciously, I also acknowledge the fact that there are so many other teachers all throughout the county of Sussex and the state of New Jersey who are also doing tremendous things with their students in the name of social and emotional learning. It's now become my mission to seek out those teachers, and with the help of our Executive County Superintendent of Schools, Dr. Rosalie Lamont, and all the chief administrators in the county, I've been able to make some connections, hear some stories, and learn about the healthy goodness that's happening with our kids in the classroom to help them build strong social and emotional character, which creates a solid foundation to confront the personal and academic challenges they're facing. So today I'd like to introduce Jess Garris and Courtney Savino, two teachers who work in the Franklin Borough at the Franklin Elementary School. Welcome, ladies. Hi, thanks for having us. Oh my gosh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. This is really exciting, uh, my first interview. So um, Jess, how about we start with you? Tell us a little bit about yourself and your program. So I have been teaching for five years. I've been at Franklin for four. Um, And mindfulness and social-emotional learning to me is not necessarily a program, but it's more of just a practice and, you know, we embed it as much as we can into everyday activities and routines. Um, And we try to just incorporate techniques and strategies that kids can learn here and then take with them, you know, throughout their school day, but also at home. I'm so glad you say that because that's my mission. My mission is to debunk the mindfulness as a class period, it really is a part of your instructional practices. So can you remind us uh, what grade level you teach? I teach fifth grade and sixth grade language arts and social studies for a special ed class. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And Courtney, tell us a little bit about yourself and the way you use this in your classroom. So I have been a teacher here at Franklin for six years. I'm a second and third grade special education education resource room teacher. And I would like to say that Jess and I have a lot of the same passion. We are friends outside of school. We carpool together. And I do think and believe that we follow the same mindfulness and yoga practices in our classrooms. Mm -hmm. So I'd love to know what caused you to initiate this plan. Was it a school initiative or was it purely a creation of your own? Courtney, do you want to talk about that? Sure. So I actually initiated this plan because at the beginning of the school year, the teachers are asked to choose different domains that they would like to work on as a focus for the school year. And my domain that I chose was mindfulness. I honestly did not know much about it at that time, but I did buy different cards 
um, to begin my process of learning about it. I then became into yoga, and I realized it helped me manage my own stress and that the kids were really enjoying what I was bringing to the classroom. So that's how it began, and I think it's going very well so far. I love how you share your own personal practice and make that connection with the kids. That's a great part of learning throughout the day. Um, can you just talk a little bit to the domains for anyone out there that doesn't understand what you mean when you say domains? <laughs> sure. So the domains are school-wide, at least here at Franklin, and they are a list of things that we would like to choose just to work on. Um, we do get observed on those, and when they come to see our classroom, it is a tool that sh we should be using in our classroom. And the third grade team, we chose that domain. So that was okay. what we chose to so work on. So it's a teacher evaluation tool? Yes. Okay, yeah. right. very good. What well, was a great one to choose. Yeah. Yes, it's a win-win for everybody, isn't it? <laughs> right, and it was nice that I actually wanted to do it and continue yeah. to, because yeah. I feel like sometimes you choose a domain just to do it for evaluations. And in my case, I found a love and it became the tool that I use in my classroom all the time now. That's wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Jess, how about you? So I actually was, it was very different. I did not see it as a school-wide or, a, you know, across different teachers. I just have spent years observing my own students in my own classroom, and I noticed that many of my students have struggled with regulating their emotions. So I actually saw a need for social-emotional learning, and I took some steps. I went to a lot of different workshops um, to try and figure out what to do to address these social emotional needs and you know I am a believer in Maslow's theory that you know a student's physiological needs should be met you know such as food water sleep um, before they can move on to feeling safe feeling loved um, building their self-esteem and then eventually the self-actualization where they're actually going to learn the academics you're teaching so I noticed that my students were not feeling some of these physiological needs and I wanted to build up as much as I could. Um, so that's when I saw some, I saw a lot of mindfulness practices that explained how to help students calm down and focus on breathing um, and then really get to regulate their emotions. So in, you know, integrating these strategies, it kind of helped them to learn how what they're feeling, what caused them to feel that way, and how to maintain or manage those emotions and feelings. Okay. I love that you mentioned Maslow's theory because there's actually, I don't know if you've seen it, a visual out there that overlays the pyramid of Maslow's theory with yoga. I have not. No. Yeah, you'll have to check that out. Yes, yeah, definitely. it's really neat. So how are the kids responding to it in the classroom? At first, I will say, so I have fifth and sixth grade, and I have some students who are on board, and they actually come in, and they look at me and say, you know, Miss Garris, I need a breathing technique to help me focus today. So we sit, and we do a breathing technique, and they sit and focus. I do have some students who come in and have some behavioral problems and sit and laugh about it to themselves in the corner. Um, I am very fortunate, though, because most of my class does take it seriously, and they kind of block that student out so it doesn't cause much of a distraction but I think there are definitely going to be some outliers who are just not totally on board um, but I do think that explaining why what you're doing and why it might be working helps the students because then they can understand you know the reasoning behind it instead of just doing what they're told right and I think that's important to note because um, 
if this is something that you're going to try as a as a first time experience, it's really important to know that some kids aren't going to embrace it. They're going to be embarrassed. They may not want to close their eyes. So having that relationship established is really important. But still, as long as you don't allow that person, I think, to just stop it, they're still absorbing all of the practices that the rest of the class is doing. And somehow on some level, that's starting to sink in. So I think that's great. I like the way I hear you handling that. That sounds really neat. Um, Courtney, can you speak to any hiccups along the way throughout your practice? I know that you do yoga in the classroom as well. Um, is there any obstacles that you may have come across? Sure. So I think um, to go off of your last question to Jess, some of the hiccups would be students laughing or not taking it as serious as I would like them to. In second and third grade, um, I guess there's a sense of the students are okay with doing different things at that age, and they do seem to follow my lead. So that would be really the only hiccup that I do see, is that some students don't understand it yet at that age, and they're not quite sure why we're doing it, where others at that age are refocusing. Even just today, one of them was standing in mountain pose. I didn't tell her to, and I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> you go, yeah. So it does take time. I think it's a learning process for the kids, and there will be some that will not take it seriously and some that will, but at least, like you said, we are exposing them to it. Yeah, it's wonderful. Is there anything you'd want, either one of you would want teachers or administrators to know about the implementation of this practice in their schools if they wanted to make it happen? Sure. So one thing Courtney and I have talked about is that it really, I mean, as we said earlier, it's not a whole other program. It's not something else to do. It really does not take up that much time. It might take more time to explain to the kids at first, but then once they know the strategies, once they know the techniques, they can really take it upon themselves to use them as needed. Or, you know, I can just say, hey, you know, you seem a little energetic. Why don't we try something to help calm you down? And we can pick from a list of strategies that maybe they already know how to do since, you know, it was taught already, but it's not an added lesson. It's not a whole thing. It's just kind of using little tools and strategies. Um, and then I think resources, visuals help. I don't think there's anything that's necessary, but I know in my classroom I have a big poster that says breathing hacks, and I actually got them from Amy Rubin, who has her own program for the Mindful Self program. Um, but I made a big poster of them, and it says, you know, calm, four, seven, eight. So it's to calm yourself down. You breathe in for four seconds, hold it for seven seconds, and breathe out for eight seconds. So that way students can look up and think, oh, you know, I do need to calm down or I do need to focus and just use that strategy without me guiding them towards it. You know, it's kind of helping them to take it upon themselves to recognize what they need. That four, seven, eight breath is amazing, especially if you're having difficulty even sleeping. Mm -hmm. To do that four, seven, eight breath, four rounds of that, and then before you know it, you're waking up in the morning. So it's a great tool. I love knowing that you're using that in the classroom. Courtney, did you have anything you wanted to add? I know you said something about mindfulness cards. Is there Are there any other manipulatives that you're using that maybe you can share with listeners so they know where they can get some resources if they need them, and then maybe even talk about if resources are even necessary for this practice? 
So I don't think resources are necessary. I just think you have to have some type of knowledge in it. And like I said, I am fairly new to this, but I'm enjoying what I am learning. The mindfulness cards were bought as a book, and the third grade teachers actually all shared them. So we made copies of them, and they are geared for the younger ages. So for example, some of them would say, pretend you're a tree, you have a seed growing in your heart, close your eyes, picture the light beaming down into your heart. What are you thinking of? And sometimes I will have discussions with the kids afterwards asking them what they are thinking of. Sometimes students aren't there yet, uh, sometimes students are telling me they're picturing rainbows, which I love. So those mindful card cards are definitely resourceful. Um, you really don't need them, though. They can help you. There are apps on your phone that can remind you of different things to do. I know Jess has a dice, a yoga dice. Yeah. But if you do practice yoga and things like that, I think you can kind of do it yourself, which yeah. is good. Yeah. I think that having the background knowledge is helpful. And I find that no matter how... Um, much you know about these topics, when we're in the middle of teaching our curriculum, you've got that teacher hat on, and then all of a sudden, you want to switch gears so fast. Sometimes to have a card or to have that visual, to have that poster, is just a great reminder because you can just go right there, and it's at your fingertips, and you're more willing to make it really happen throughout the course of the day. Absolutely. I'd love to know, what is your favorite part about what you do with the kids in the classroom? Um, I think my favorite part is definitely when students request it. <laughs> I, I will say I do try to initiate some things here and there, but when I have a student come in and look at me and say, you know, I just, I'm feeling a certain way and I don't know what to do about it, can I sit in the back? So I do have a table in the back that's kind of my calm down, cool down spot, and they'll sit and they'll do the breathing strategy or they'll do the yoga ball or I've got the mandala coloring pages, so I think when I see them recognize within themselves that they're feeling maybe a little um, unregulated and then taking it upon themselves to use a strategy, use a tool um, to help and get themselves back to a, a good, calm state, just knowing that they've gotten to that point of self-realization, I think, is, is really what makes me feel good about using the practice. Yeah, and I like how you're helping them to recognize when they're getting to that point because that really helps them to notice what they're noticing and they start to take control of their instructional time. And are you noticing that they're starting to go off on their own and kind of uh, self-soothe or self-regulate and make that happen without your help? Yes, definitely. So that calm down spot I was speaking of earlier, um, they know that they don't have to ask permission for it. They just get up and walk to the back, and I do have a timer if they need a timer for five minutes, um, and they, they do sit and come back when they're ready, and I have not had students sit for more than five to ten minutes, mm -hmm. so it's really nice to see that they're not taking advantage of that either. Sure. They're actually using it when they feel like they need it. Mm -hmm. So it has been really nice to see them, you know, using these strategies successfully. That's wonderful. Courtney, how about you? What are your favorite parts? So I think my favorite part is that this program makes me feel like my classroom is their own little community and family. I'm sure many teachers and people feel that way, but it's such a bond to be able to sit there and meditate together and go through that experience as a class and try to understand each other without using words sometimes, which is very nice. Um, I enjoy that I'm teaching them how to build their own self-esteem 
and how to control their mind because students at that age, that's very difficult for them to do. And I almost wish someone taught me how to do that because your mind is the most powerful tool. And if I can teach them that, I hopefully am setting them up to a future of success. Right. If they have control of their breath, they have total control of their world, right? So I'm curious to know where you see this practice going. As educators, we often have big, lofty ideas that can get thwarted at times for reasons beyond our control, like budgets or access to resources. But I know you also mentioned that, you know, this is you doing this on your own. This, there's no budget here. Um, you don't have to have any kind of resources. But do you see any room for expansion for this practice, um, larger or outside your classroom? And if so, what do you think would be necessary in order to make that happen? I definitely think, at Franklin, I, th I think Courtney would agree that we can definitely expand the practice. Um, I know that we've talked about collaboration is huge. So even Courtney and I sitting together and we talk about, well, what are you doing that's working and what can I do that works? And it kind of works nicely with between her and I because she has third and fourth grade and then I have fifth and sixth grade. So some of the students that maybe are coming to me after being with her, you know, knowing what strategies and things that she did with them can help me to carry those over when they're with me in my class. Um, so I think just collaboration is, is a huge tool or something that we can easily implement or use um, throughout our school that can just help, where we can help each other. You know, it's not necessarily um, learning all about a program, it's more just sitting with each other and figuring out what's working. Jess and Courtney, this has been amazing. You shared so many wonderful things with the audience. And for that, I thank you. And I thank you for your time. And before we sign off, I want to know if you're willing to share your contact information with the listeners so anyone with further questions can reach out to you. Yes, definitely. Um, this is Jess. <laughs> you can email me at jgarris at fboe.org. And I'm also on Twitter at jgarris18. So that's J-G-A-R-R-I-S-1-8. Thank you. Courtney? Of course. So my email is csavino, that's C-S-A-V-I-N-O, at fboe.org. Thank you so much, ladies. The simple shift shared in this interview today is that yoga and mindfulness are not programs, but practices. As teachers, we're all too familiar with programs that get introduced and often without the proper amount of time to really digest them, to play around with them, and to test them out. Then before you know it, they're gone. Jess and Courtney are doing great things for their students and... To know that self-healing practices are being taught as early as second grade is so encouraging and such a gift to those children and to their families. Sometimes ideas in education get pigeonholed into one subject area. Yoga and mindfulness don't solely belong in a phys ed class, for instance. I know that that's where the conversation is moving. Yoga and mindfulness are techniques that are a part of living a healthy lifestyle. They're real, solid, scientifically researched tools that enrich the learning process for students and teachers. They're tools that belong in the tool belts of all teachers to be used in all classrooms as teachers see fit. The teachers you met today are pioneers in opening education up to the mind-body connection, and for that, I am grateful for the work they're doing.
I would like to thank Jess Garris and Courtney Savino again for sharing their stories with us and making themselves available to you. Please reach out to Jess and Courtney with questions you have about how to make the practices of yoga and mindfulness happen in your classroom. I would also like to thank the superintendent of schools and principal of the Franklin Elementary School, Mr. John Giacci, for allowing me to highlight the teachers in his district who are implementing best practices in social and emotional learning. You can also learn more about making mindfulness a part of your classroom instruction in the April edition of the NJEA Review. I have an article all set to go to print, and it's titled, Mindfulness is Not a Class Period, It's a Lifestyle. You can also check out this month's edition of the NJEA Review. Look for T.J. Belasco's article, which is titled, Finding Peace in the Workplace. TJ is the Cape May County Teacher of the Year for 2019-2020, and in his article, he shares how to get through a day as a teacher with personal mindfulness practices. Thanks for tuning in and being a part of my very first podcast interview. And remember, it's not about being perfect. It's about being easy with the practice.